Hello there, fellow peregrinos. Welcome to El Camino de Santiago, Pilgrim's podcast, where we talk about planning, preparation, and packing for walking El Camino de Santiago, as well as tips, tricks, and hacks to make your journey along the way a lot more enjoyable. This week, we're talking to Mary Jo Gero, who's walked the Camino Frances three times. We're going to find out exactly why Mary Jo wanted to go back and walk it three times but as always, we're going to kick off the podcast and ask Mary Jo exactly why. Take us back to the time and place when you first decided to walk the Camino. Absolutely. I believe I was at that time working for a major airline. Um, I was working for Delta for, at that time. I was in several different departments. I was going to school simultaneously. And I happened to be right before I was going into work on a break on campus and they had brought in several different speakers from all the different World Heritage sites. And this was pre 9-11. Um, so I just happened to be out in, in the quad area having lunch um, and listened to a couple of them. And I saw, the, I saw the Camino come up. And at that time, I was also taking a class in college that was um, going over historical sites. And I had, this is, so this was the second time I've heard about the Camino. And then I started to just research it on my own beyond that. I didn't really sit through the lecture because I had to go to work. I was uh, doing both, working and going to school at the same time. And I started researching it. And I was fortunate enough because I worked for an airline. I fly for free on standby. Um, so I said, okay, let's see if I can get this in as a trip. So I looked at it. I started researching online, found a little bit more information, a little bit more information. I said, okay, I can do this put together the time off. I thankfully worked with a great group of men and women that um, were able to swap off days. So I worked a lot of six day work weeks in exchange for them to give me one of their days. Good colleagues. Yeah, I put that together with my vacation. I took five weeks off. Um, I happened to at that time be in a training, I live in Los Angeles, but I happened to be in a training program in Atlanta, Georgia. And I thought, well, I'll finish training and I'll just go from there. And so there was a lot of prep leading up to that, a lot of hiking, because I didn't know how my body would do. I have several knee injuries from playing soccer. I have You and since, me both. Yeah. Since this past year, I had a partial knee replacement, which I hiked on the Camino. So we're good to go. <laughs> um, so um, I started talking to some friends about it and a friend of mine used to work for a woman in one of my past departments. And this woman and I weren't really good friends. She's about my mom's age, maybe a year younger. Now she's 72. Um, and she started asking me questions about it and said, well, if you decide to go, I'd like to go with you. Now, we did not know each other very well. Um, I travel pretty easily, pretty light. And I said, OK, well, if we're going to do this together, Let's hike together. We live in a beautiful area in Southern California. We have so many mountains around us, day hikes we could do. But I kept reading about how it would be better to acclimate your feet to get as much mileage on your feet as you can prior to departure. Not necessarily just the elevation gain, but just time on your feet. So we did. We started doing um, weekend hikes. I started doing hikes before I went to work because I worked a swing shift. I worked at night. Um, wasn't in phenomenal shape, but that really didn't matter. I was a lot lighter than I am now. It didn't really matter. I just had time on my feet. And uh, so I got out of that training class in Atlanta, and she said, I'm going to come meet you. 
And luckily, I don't know how, by the grace of God, we got on in a business class seat because if nobody's, if the seat's empty, they give it to the employees. Flew to um, Madrid, um, bought a discounted ticket because we were airline employees from Madrid to Pamplona. And that's all I had planned. I had no idea how to get from Pamplona to uh, Saint-Jean-de-Puy-de-Port, but Oh, it's a great story from there. Do you want me to continue? Okay, I, I'm going to hold you on that, and we're going to hold okay. that thought just for a moment. We're going to leave that loop open. Uh, okay. So we're going to try and keep the listeners listening on what, because they're going to wonder what happened next. So let's leave that up in the air for a moment. I'm going to ask you one question. Now, you've walked the Camino three times, the Camino Frances three times. Um, but were you to go again for a fourth time, say someone said, right, let's go on the Camino tomorrow, Mary Jo, and you've got to pick three things to take with you immediately, aside from the obvious, which will be your backpack, your boots, and say your socks, for example, what would be the three most important things you take with you? Three most important things. Mm-hmm. I think I would take music. I really started to miss music. Um, Uh, while hiking because I listen to a lot of music while I hike now Um, and I don't know for me it's a good mix for nature and not to get all hoity-toity or religious but I'm a bad Catholic so you can't really my mom will attest to that but for me nature God and music all go together so I find a sense of peace with that and all kinds of music but not any one particular so I miss that I miss the rhythm that that gives you the mindset it helps place you in, and plus all the beauty around you. Not an everyday thing, but boy, I would have loved a couple hours of it every day. Um, two more things. Two more things. I would take my sister if I could get her to come <laughs> with me. Oh, in a heartbeat. My last Brilliant. Week, you know, I took my cousin with me, and we laughed so hard. But boy, would I love to take my sister. And probably the third thing is I would love to take my mom. I, she's getting ready for a second knee replacement in her other leg. I don't know if she'll be able to, but I would say that would be the two things if you have to tell me things. Everything else, it doesn't matter. I didn't miss any creature comforts from home. More Just music and uh, my sister, my mom. So were I to be a first-time pilgrim listening to that answer, I'd think, right, okay, so I might well have some music ready to go if I feel like a little need a little burst of energy and hmm maybe it'll be nice to have some company as well so if I haven't got a Camino buddy and I'm a first time pilgrim maybe I'll try and I don't know get one of my mates to come or just drag my sister along like you would or even try and uh, talk mum into it so I like those answers very unconventional answers Mary Jo but I really really like them because it definitely gives us something different to think about and um i mean you yourself said you had some uh some ailments i guess so and you you did mention a little bit of your training so there will be some pilgrims listening that maybe have got some had some knee issues i'm going through my own should i say battles with my knee at the moment um and i'm sure there'll be some some more um thankfully mine's getting better and better slowly but surely but um this isn't about me it's about you and the listeners so um how did you prepare for dealing with any potential problems along the way with any ailments be it blisters be it knee problems uh, was it training was it equipment was it some form of i don't know anti-inflammatory cream feel free to to let us know how you coped with that sure um Blisters, I had a pretty solid 
um, consistent method of dealing with them. And I know it worked because of my third Camino, I got a little arrogant and said, oh, I don't need to do this. My feet are in shape. But um, I would Vaseline my feet every morning. Yep, me too. Put my socks on. I had, I don't know, I have a bunch of different hiking socks, whatever I brought with me at that time. Nothing, nothing too thin. I didn't do double layers or socks with toes in it or anything fancy. Just a good solid pair of cushy hiking socks. Um, I couldn't do smart wool because I'm a little allergic to it. Um, and then halfway through the day, I sat, I took off my socks. I really, if I could give my feet a good soak with a little wa water, um, I did that. I let my feet breathe. And before I went back on the trail, I put another layer of Vaseline in between my toes, all around my feet, pretty generously. I put my socks on inside out. So, you know, I had to wash socks every single day. And I think when I got home, I ended up throwing out those three pair I brought with me. But that was my savior. Not a blister on my first Camino. Not one. Okay, that, that's good to hear. And for those that um, maybe have got some, some knee issues, how did you prepare for any potential trouble on that front? I was a little foolish. I didn't. I okay. would say definitely take hiking sticks with you. Either um, buy them there. Or bring them with you if you don't mind checking checking them because uh, I think after 9-11, you, you can't bring them on board anymore. At least I haven't seen anybody been able to do that. So I would check them in or buy them over there. It's not a big deal. Set aside a little money to do that. Definitely worth it. Saves your knees, saves your hips. Um, you kind of get a good rhythm going with them. If you're not familiar with them, use them before you go. They're like so a metronome have... as you walk, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, no big pickups. They really help you on the downhill, and you'll have a lot of downhill. Um, and anti-inflammatories, God love the Spanish pharmacies. You could buy just about anything over there. It was the first time I used Voltaren because you could buy it over the counter. Um, you could buy it in pill form. You could buy the ointment. And I did traditional things. I'm a, I played a lot of sports, so I packed anything that got swollen or stiff in ice. That was my saving grace. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd agree with the ice for sure. Um, and for myself at the moment, I'm going through some some rehab. I've decided not to have surgery on some torn cartilage and a meniscus. Um, but I am using Arnica gel, um, yeah. which acts as an anti-inflammatory and, and Arnica tablets as well. Obviously, you want to double check that you're taking the, whatever you take or put on your body, double check it. Read the, read the leaflet that comes with it. But um, personally, I think Arnica is really looking into it. It has minimal side effects compared to normal anti-inflammatory gel, and I've found it, it's worked wonders. So I've gone from, well, I've, I walked 20K in the summer, and the next day I couldn't walk up and down a set of stairs. I was in a bad way for a couple of weeks. And yeah. with, with Arnica, um, and just through some in and some exercising and strengthening, you know, really conservative rehab program, um, I'm able to up my my kilometers that I'm walking every day that I can see on my Fitbit and um and it's pretty much okay but um a little way off being able to go back and do a Camino but yeah look up the Arnica gel for anyone that's thinking of that might they might need some anti-inflammatory something with anti-inflammatory properties along the way and um whenever we start our first Camino it could be a second Camino whenever um I found that I I made mistakes at the start and I could rephrase that and say things I wouldn't do again or I would do differently were I to go again. So anything that you would do differently were you to go again or you did differently on your second and third Caminos compared to your first? Um, I think what I, I didn't really, I, I don't believe I had any mistakes because everything that 
I, this is going to kick me in the butt. I know it. I have my friend who went with me on my first Camino, Marsha, always says this, and I hate this statement, but my God, does it run true. Come on, let's, let's hear it. Everything happens for, for a reason. It <laughs> drives me nuts. But um, I wouldn't change anything, even the mistakes. I can tell you what I learned between my first and my third. My first Camino was just brilliant. Um, I would say the first couple of days are always hard because of the jet lag. But um, what an adventure. My second Camino, I tried to plan a little bit more. It didn't make a difference. There are still things that come into your way and throw you off your game and maybe throw off your plans. And you just have to be, you can't be rigid. You have to say, okay, well, this is happening and how am I going to deal with it? And you find a proper place for it. My third Camino, I tried to really super plan because I'm a planner. I had high anxiety. Nothing went right, but it still turned out to be a fantastic journey. And I think I would tell people, get your basic structure down, put a slight plan in place. And be ready to roll with the punches. Don't be so rigid and I have to do this on this day and this on this day. You'll take away the joy of, oh, my God, look what we ran into. Or look what we're, oh, I don't want to do this today. I want to go do this. Look at, I'm never going to see this again. Take the opportunity to enjoy the things that are coming, are going to come to you because so much will. So I, much will. I really like what you're saying there because, I mean, if you compare life on the road on the Camino de Santiago to your normal everyday life where you're doing your business kind of about your day-to-day um tasks and, and errands and how often during that time do we say right i have to be here by such and such a time i've got to be at the swimming pool for my swim at 12 i've got to be um i've got to be at the hairdressers for example for four and you're always keeping to a timetable whereas the camino is an opportunity to drop that clock and to just yeah. roll with the punches. So I really like that as a piece of advice. And you say, I mean, I, you said you didn't make any mistakes, but there's definitely something you'd do differently. And that is drop the big planning. And you said it yourself, quote unquote, um, roll with the punches, um, which yeah. is, you know, have a have a basic skeleton plan, but roll with the punches. And, and I think that's personally how I get the most out of my Caminos. And I'd um, I'd urge any anybody going on on the next Camino to try that. It might, might not work for some people, but give it a try. It, you might just feel better and get rid of that anxiety about having to keep to that timetable and get to a certain place by a certain time. Yeah, I mean, you'll have fantastic things happen. We had a couple of days on our first Camino where, oh my God, it, you know, five weeks is not going to be enough, and then. I don't know. All of a sudden we found ourselves hiking one day till 10 o'clock at night because the sun was still up and we went, what the heck? You know, I feel, do you feel good? I feel good. All right, let's just keep going. So some days you'll, your kilometers will be low and some days they'll be incredibly high. It's about taking in all the aspects that are going to happen that day. Let it happen. It'll be okay. And it's always a great story to tell no matter how, how tired or grumpy you are when you get there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I remember uh, very quickly, um, just on the, the last Camino, my wife and I walked on the Camino Portugues. We planned to go to stay at one place. We got there. Uh, my wife didn't like it, and the reason she didn't like it was because they kept dogs in a cage on their outdoor kind of area. And you know, my my wife is a is a dog lover, and so am I. So my, yeah, and she too. kind of dug her heels and said, "Right, I'm not staying anywhere where they do this." And I'm thinking, well, the next place is like. 10 kilometers away and it was already getting dark 
Um, so we ended up walking through a forest um, when it was dark in December, um, which wasn't really um, enjoyable at the time and a bit scary. But I tell you what, we've had a laugh about it since. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely definitely worth keeping an open mind about where you want to go. And, and like I said, it's a good story to tell at the end of it. So, um, OK, so talking of stories, um, we did open the loop. We talked a little bit about your impromptu journey from Pamplona to Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. I tried to sound very French there, I probably didn't, but anyway, um, Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. So um, tell us the story. Uh, so we got off of the flight in Pamplona. Um, we knew that we needed to do an exchange of cash, and that's always a lot of questions for people. I brought my ATM card. My particular credit union doesn't have any fees. I withdrew euros. Um so I, I padded myself for a few days. I didn't know your, where the ATMs would be along the way. Uh, again, this was pre kind of 9-11. This was still pretty new um, for me. So I took out a lump of euros and went outside and said, okay, we got to figure out how to do this. We happened to see, you know, you get off in Pamplona, so many people with backpacks and people are talking. We happened to start talking to a group of friends who were there from Brazil. Four gentlemen, just absolutely hilarious between our broken Spanish, a uh, little bit of Portuguese uh, and English. We decided to share a cab together. My friend Marsha looked at me like I was out of my mind. I talked to everybody. That's part of being a New Yorker. You talk to everybody around you. Um, that People don't scare me. You know, everybody gets a weird feeling about, a weird vibe about people. Go with that. Trust your gut. But these guys were just, oh, my God, they were family. You would take them home to, to sit down to a meal. They were just outrageous and fun and just good-hearted. We shared a cab with them to Pamplona. We had no idea where we were going to, I mean, to Saint-Jean. We had no idea where we were going to stay to Saint-Jean. We knew we needed to get our pilgrim's passport. We did that. And they said, well, come stay where we're going to stay tonight. And we said, Okay got our stuff set up in our in the albergue I couldn't even tell you which one it was and they said okay come with us and we said well where are we going now we want to take a rest no 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 there's no food tomorrow um or a sun was not built yet we need to just we need to go get food for tomorrow my friend Marsha looked at me eyes what do you mean food I thought we'd stop in these little towns and I said let's look, follow them you know God love them they're they've been right so far we got they got us here and so we went to the grocery store or the market and we bought some bread and cheese and ham, made a few sandwiches. Um, we all went out for a meal together and went back and went to bed early um, and got up at the crack of dawn or before the crack of dawn, packed up our stuff, had a little bit of breakfast and started our walk uphill. So that uphill coming out of town is great, but the, the Brazilian boys were so much faster than us. I think we started at 630 in the morning. I don't know what time they arrived to Roncesvalles, but by the time we got there, they were outside. Everybody had had dinner already. And my friend and I had stopped multiple times on the uphill going and kind of got a little turned around coming down into Roncesvalles. We saw a couple on a road and they kind of guided us back to where we needed to stay. No pre-planned reservations, no call ahead or book ahead. We got there. They said, they looked at my friend and went, Marsha, they came out and hugged her, grabbed her backpack um, and said, OK, we saved beds for you. The last two beds, the third tier bunk, the very top floor. So we got there all the way up to the top of the 
um, refugio, put our packs on our beds, took our stuff out, took a shower, everybody sleeping and snoring around us. We broke out the last half of our sa sandwich and apples, ate on top of our beds, um, and then went to sleep. And that was it. By the grace of God, we got the last two beds. I don't care if it was the top tier. And in the middle of the night, I hear Marsha, who's about 20 years older than me, I have to get down. How do I get down from here? So I had to go find a chair. Because, you know, ladies, we got to go to the restroom in the middle of the night. It was just hilarious. And you hear the guys on the other side, good morning. <laughs> they, were, they were just our angels on the road the first few days. They always kept, kept a lookout for us, helped us figure out how we were going to make our game plan. Um, one of the gentlemen at the end, uh, uh, Marco called me when he had gone back to his Brazil and said, my daughter is coming to the U S to California. She's not staying near you, but she wants to go to Disneyland. If I send you money, I said, don't send anything. Give me her address. When she gets here, I took her and her host family daughter to Disneyland for the day we talked about our dad, our adventures, just a solid. So he and I still email back and forth. Solid group of guys. What so a lovely fortunate. story. That is, yeah, the, that is the Camino magical world. There's two things yeah, that jump out they, of me here. That was our first magic that happened. That very first day, we were so lucky. But everybody has stories like that. Yeah, and I'm really grateful for you sharing that one because, um, I mean, you said yourself, everything happens for a reason. Now, let's just imagine, maybe let's just imagine you met those guys because they were going to save you a bed in Ronces Fayes on your first <laughs> night, your second night. Otherwise, you'd have been sleeping somewhere up in the hills. And um, I love the fact that it, that turned full circle that when obviously his daughter came to America and you, you helped her out and put her up. And, and it reminds me of this Brazilian song. It says, Va, um, I say, Quem plantar a paz, which means those who plant love, vai colher amor, which means are going to receive love. So they plant, planted the peace in, in the Camino and they received the love in America. And that's a lovely, lovely story. Um, yeah. So thanks for sharing that. And sorry about my singing, but I just love that no, song. No, that's fantastic. <laughs> always reminds me of my, trip to, my trips to Brazil. So um, where were we before I ruined it with my singing? Okay, so we, were, we, we did mention a little bit there about you staying in the albergue in Frances Valles. Um, so I'm going to now put you on the spot. You've walked the Camino Frances three times. You've got to choose your favorite albergue that someone should stay in and tell us why. I, you know, I look through all of my things to try to find the name of um, the albergue I, we stayed in. I can tell you, I have two favorite towns. I think any place you stay would be fantastic. I believe Molenseca, is that pronounced correctly? Molina Seca, yeah. Molina Seca. Oh my God, I love that place. What a place, just on the river, by the, by yeah, the church and on the river. Uh, it broke my heart the first trip that my friend was so tired after that day. She actually just, she, you know, took a shower and crashed and that was it. No dinner or anything. I went out and I was with, uh, I think, two of the ladies and a huge group of local guys. We've watched soccer all night, yelled at the television, Have drank beer. you got a beer. soccer team that you like? Oh, um, at that time, Madrid was playing. That's my mom's team. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay, still a I'm Barcelona from, I'm, I'm del Barça, so we'll okay. just agree to disagree on that one, but yeah. Okay. But just had a fantastic time. Um, and now there's so many different 
oh gosh, I think this last trip we found a fantastic vegetarian restaurant. We also did a lot of cooking. Um, I mean, just uh, uh, that was probably my, it's still my favorite town though. Molina Seca, uh, yeah, amazing yeah, place. Molina Seca. Where else? What else did I really like? So you, you like the Alberga there, you watched a bit of soccer, you, you have got good memories of the Alberga. Can you remember if it was like the, was it the private one? Was it a, a municipal? Was it like the basic? Uh, that wasn't a municipal. I believe that was a private one. And I apologize. I tried to dig through my old books to find out, you know, where did we stay? I had sent... Um, no worries. A it's, it's a good place people can go hunting and exploring. Maybe they'll find it. That's what the Camino is yeah. all about. So Bolina Seca, good stuff. Um, okay, so, and I don't know if you can remember some some place where you where you ate along the way um, that you can recommend, like a really good restaurant or because, you know, the, the Camino magic you often find in these places, the characters that run the places, the Camino pilgrims that you meet that are also taking breaks. This is sometimes where the magic happens. So make sure, fellow peregrinos, you do stop in these places along the way um, and don't just have packed lunches all the time because it is fun when you stop. Any places that stand out for you? You know, we did a lot of cooking because my both my cousin and I on the last trip. And Good way to save money as well. Yeah, we are big. We we love to cook. And plus, I'm a big eater. I'm a big girl. So I like to eat. I will tell you, I love the pilgrims menu in every town. You, you know, you get your salad, you get a main course, you get your wine. Um, but I, I'm a snob. I like to cook. I would rather. So we did huge communal meals, even if we ran into an albergue or a, a municipal where people weren't really sure to do what they were going to do for dinner. We just walked around. Hey, we we're going to make this tonight. Do you guys want to participate? And every night, okay, I'll get the wine tonight. You get the bread. This person got this. We made pasta. We made paella one night. Um, oh, we did talk. It's lovely when everyone mucks in like that, isn't it? Yeah. We, they were like, you're going to make tacos. I said, yeah, I made homemade salsa. And I miss, I miss the hot, the heat spice. Didn't find a lot of that in Spanish food, and being in Southern California, I love spicy. Mm, you food. need to try the uh, the pimientos de padron, the, um, yeah. the I, I padron peppers. So many times, not hot enough for me. No, no, I'm a jalapeno serrano girl. So okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Um, the jalapenos definitely gives you gives you a bit of a sweaty forehead. No doubt about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so your your recommendation is create your own restaurant and get everyone to muck in. I love it when that happens. I mean, my wife and I on our last Camino Portuguese, uh, it was my, my wife's first Camino. And, um, well, everyone just like, we, we met in this um, this albergue in, God, I can't remember the, where the Hubaye, she was called. And anyway, it's up in the hills. There's not much around, cold. And, um there was maybe four or five of us pilgrims standing in the same albergue and the Spanish lad said, uh, come up, said, let's go and go, go shopping together. So we all went down to the shop together. My wife had never done anything like this before. So she was a little bit, a little bit shy, a little bit apprehensive. She was kind of like nudging me in the stomach to say, no, let's not do this. And I was said, no, because, you know, I knew she was going to enjoy it in the end. Anyway, we all went and did that and went back to the kitchen, cooked together. And at the end of it, my wife actually said, that was so nice. And I was like, yep, that's the Camino magic at work there. So anything that you'd recommend that you can cook, um, like anything simple to cook with a Spanish theme? Oh gosh, there's so much fresh fish. Um, I mean, and if you're a lover of fresh fish, do a little bit of, if you if you don't cook it, do a little research beforehand, but you can buy, oh gosh, I, we, we stayed at this one private albergue 
They went out back. They caught a fresh trout, which, oh my goodness, it was so good. The kind that you can just peel the entire skeleton out, no bones, fresh trout, um, baked. And right before it came out of the oven, they slightly um, fried the, the out, outer portion of it. It was so flaky, so fantastic. Yeah, just cooked anything. They have great, um, their, their pork is fresh. I'm not a big pork eater. I, I, I mean, jamon, I ate so much ham in Spain, it's ridiculous. I bought a lot of shrimp. I bought a lot of fresh fish. I bought a lot of chicken. Um, not a big beef eater. That's just me. But you can buy anything and just whatever recipe you want. One night, we even made spaghetti with my mom's sauce recipe. Just got a big pot going, set people out to buy this and buy la that. La salsa de la mamma. Yeah, yeah. Lots of dipping of the bread and laughing and full carbs, ready for the next day, climbing up hills. I think we did that before we uh, went into Fonspedon. My friend Marcia and I, I think. Yeah, that's uh, a long way out. Yeah, we had, before we had gone, we were trying to read everything we could. And we both read the Shirley MacLaine book. And, oh, you have to be careful. This is a town of rabbit Abandoned dogs. Abandoned village of wild dogs in that book. Yeah. I even, I, we came in and I have a picture of my friend Marsha that I have since framed and sent to her. Where all the working field dogs are just asleep in the town. She's walking through her alone, her backpack, and three sleeping dogs in the middle of the street. Um. And we decided when we come back, we'd write our own book about how Shirley expletive effing lied. Because nothing in the Shirley <laughs> McLean book happened to us. We laughed so hard. It's another one. It's another one. Shirley effing lied. And we just, oh, we would just be hysterical over that. Shirley, Shirley did uh, have a few interesting experiences, yeah. didn't she? Such as, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not casting that upon these at all. But no, uh, I, had, I had nothing like that happen to me on my Camino. But um, it's a really interesting book. Uh, yeah. It gives a very, very, delves very deep into the esoteric um, nature of the Camino. And, um, you know, I, I personally found that interesting. Um, even, you know, being a person that was searching for my own calling on the Camino. Um, and I'm now going to ask you, talking of searching moments, um, often on the Camino, we do have tough times. It's not always roses and moonshine. It's not always bucket list moments and and great stories. Sometimes you have tough moments, bumps and bruises. You're going to get caught in the nettles along the way. Can you remember on any of your three Camino Franceses, a low moment, your lowest, lowest moment, and how you pushed through that? Oh, yeah. I believe um, on my first one, it was probably about past the halfway mark when your body really starts to feel good and you're you kind of find your groove, but we had so much rain and so much mud. And one day I just could not get warm. I was soaked to the bone. I had had it. I just was about to have a meltdown. And uh, my friend looked over at me and said, oh, screw it. Let's get a cab. What do we have? Four kilometers left. We hopped in a cab, went to the municipal, stripped off all of our wet stuff, got warm, washed everything I didn't know I, I think half of it didn't dry the next day but just the fact that you could get your body warm and I think we had soup that night um and just sit and get that oh I was at I was at my breaking point it happens and the best part about having somebody else with you is they see that and 
um, we had kind of gotten to know each other between all of our training hikes and stuff. And thank God, you know, I, I had somebody with me who saw that coming on and I wasn't uh, angry or spewing bad language or anything like that. Um, but just miserable because I was so cold. And um, once I got warm and got showered and just a place to, to lay down, I think after 20 minutes of just taking a little nap, I was, I was supercharged again and I was good to go, but um, somebody else didn't take the reins on that. I think I would have just kept pushing through. <laughs> so the moral of the story that I'm the takeaway for me is if I am ever in a similar situation, just use what tools are available to me at that time to yeah. get better, whatever it may be. Even if you do have to take a cab or stay in a, a posh hotel instead of a, um, a Spartan Alberg. Yeah, I, and I loved all the Albergs. I love that it was Spartan. It kind of lends to, because there's still warmth there. It lends to the whole Camino vibe. You can do so much with so little. You don't need tons of things. You just need your basic, I need some place to sleep, I need something to eat, and I need to keep moving. And it's amazing how this, that those three little things bring such an amount of peace to you because everything else um, kind of goes to the wayside. You're not mm. worried about things you may be worried at home, at home, family members and bills. You kind of, you've put a plan in together to take care of that. So you only concentrate on three basic human things. You're mm. sleeping, you're eating and moving and that's it. In that simplicity, some very, very magical things happen. That's for sure. And uh, you'd be surprised. Food, I remember thinking to myself on the road, like food, water, shelter and friends. I'll be quite happy yeah. with that for the rest of my life. Um, but sadly, we have to come back and earn some money. But yeah, the the, uh, the challenge there is, I think, I've told myself, is to find a way to do that through service. Um, and then, you know, everything is a byproduct that comes from that. But that's an, that's an issue for another podcast and another topic, probably. Okay, so now we're going to launch into some Camino quickies, some short fire quick answers questions. And the first one is going to be... Um, You've mentioned one already. Maybe you've got another. Favorite Camino blog and or book? Oh, blog or book. Um, I have the Brantley book. Blog. I don't have a favorite blog. I'm kind of all over the place. Uh, but I would like to, before what, what, what we move forward, share... Um, one more story because this has not happened to me except for on the very first Camino and I would be interested to find out if it's something you participated in. Okay, I'm going to have to just like stop you there and I'm going to hold the story until the end because uh, the, okay. rules, the rules okay. of the quick fire round are okay. the short, okay. sharp, quick answers. So um, that gives us something, something to look to forward close. to after the, the short answers, okay? So okay. Uh, mention the book. Is it a Bradley book? What do you mean by that? Um, the standard one that has all of the maps in it, it's long and tall. Oh, Briley, right. The John yeah, Briley right. guidebook. Yes. Okay. So if you're looking and for it. A... I believe yep. the conf um, comfort, hang on, I saved it in my phone so I would not, uh, uh, what the heck is this? The confer confernity Confrater, of St. James? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I also read another one. Oh, where's my other one? There we go. <laughs> Come on. Here it is. Uh, the Camino de Santiago in 20 days. <laughs> that was just a little too outrageous for me. I read The Alchemist. Good um, book. Yeah, that's yeah, a nice Camino-themed yeah. book, isn't it? There's lots yeah. of alchemy that happens on the Camino, that's for sure. 
Um, okay, good stuff. What about a, um, do you, were you part of, do you use, can you recommend a Camino de Santiago forum or Facebook group? Let's see if I have access to that. In my, in Southern California, there's a group that I did some uh, hiking with okay. beforehand. Let They're it, probably my, yeah, let me find them real quick. I'm double checking in my, I'm looking in my email right now simultaneously. I wrote this down and I don't know where the heck I put that paper. I was all prepared for you today. So. Don't worry. While you're looking for that, why don't I ask you about something you can probably retrieve immediately. Uh, favorite food and or drink on the Camino? Okay. Um, favorite food? I, lo- I love my jamon y queso sandwiches. So mm. I'm a big sandwich girl. Um, not a big octopus fan, but, but loved the... Uh, mm, I loved all the wine. I'm a big red wine drinker. All the wine. So. You drank all the wine you could. <laughs> well, not all of it. But, That's uh, dedication. I, I like it. Yeah, I definitely had some uh, good times. That's dedication. I like it. Okay, so I wonder um, what for you was the hardest part of the Camino? Coming home. Okay, Coming we're gonna. Home. I'm gonna ask you to elaborate upon that one at the end. Um, maybe a mantra or meditation for the road when times are tough. Or even when times are good? All right. I'm going to break out my Supremes. Hmm. I think. Go. Supremes? Maybe. Ain't no mountain high enough. That was my theme. You've got quite a voice there, Mary Jo. <laughs> got some pipes today. Certainly have, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you that's kind of saying that you... My, that was my uphill call out. We would call it back and forth. Marsha and I all the way up the hill. My cousin Karen, same thing. Sometimes by myself. <laughs> love it. I love it. Ain't no man and hide. Yeah, you do it better than me. I'll stop that right now. Guilty pleasure you carried with you. Chocolate. What type? Chocolate. And probably, um, if I could find them, figs. If not, dates. And what chocolate exactly? Um, I'm a milk chocolate girl. So any any bar I could pick up, um especially when we got closer to where the Gaudi is. Oh, are we with the town with the chocolate museum? Why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Astorga. Astorga. We bought so much there. I mean, that was an extra, I think I added an extra pound to my pack. No, we'll eat all this. You know, there's a bar of chocolate in that place that costs 200 euros. Oh. How mad is that? I know, that's crazy. I didn't even know chocolate could cost that amount of money, but they must, they must have gold in the middle or something. Maybe it was one of Shirley McLean's creations. Who knows? Yeah, that's um, what I missed out on. Okay, so we're going to circle back now, and I asked you about the, what was it, the forum Facebook group thing? Um, American Pilgrims on the Camino. American Pilgrims on the Camino. Uh, American Pilgrims, um, look them up. Have you got a favourite uh, film, aside from the obvious, which is The Way? Um... No, but I did really enjoy. Uh, I did really enjoy uh, the way. Uh, I think my favorite scene out of the whole movie was uh, when they stayed in the parador, yet they end up together in one room. I found that hilarious because that really does speak to the trip. Mm, absolutely. Um, okay, and lastly, in the the quick fire round, uh, a Camino app or internet resource that you might use or could recommend um app or internet resource 
just on that subject of um, films as well, um, one popped into my head while we were thinking about it. Um, sorry to interject. Just wanted yeah. to say what I thought about it. There's a film called Into the Wild. Yeah. Um, and it's a really inspiring yet horribly sad story as well. But in terms of capturing that spirit of being on the road and and uh, washing up those feelings and memories of doing the Camino, my God, I think for me, Into the Wild did that more than The Way. Um, you know, they just removed that. Oh, it just makes me shiver. It makes I me know. shiver. It just makes me shiver. Like, so sad. Oh, get a bit choked. Um, but the bus, yeah, the bus in Alaska. Yeah, they just removed it from the um, national park, and because I, I believe a lot of people were going out there and they were having to rescue them. Mm, yeah, that's broke probably, my heart. Yeah, not not a good idea. But if, yeah, if well, Camino filmed theme film a uh, theme film. Yeah. Sorry, definitely go for that one. Okay, sorry, I cut in on the Apple resource. Could you can pass on that one if you haven't got it? Uh, I don't really use. I try to just go and whatever I can research in books and kind of fly by the seat of my pants. Love that it. makes the adventure for me. Every once in a while, um, Ivar's website, I would jump into CaminoSantiago.me. Yep. Um, yeah. I would say as a forum or as if I needed a quick question answer, very responsive. Very Absolutely. Responsive. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get a million, million answers to one question. On yeah. There. Lots of people willing to help for sure. So that's Camino de Santiago uh, dot me. Okay, so you were going to mention one more story there. Can you remember which one it was? Yes. Go for it. Uh, can I ask, have you ever had, while on the Camino, Kamada, or the celebration of Kamada? Uh, be, um, begins with the letter Q. Kamada. Sounds like, yes. uh, sounds like sounds, means burned or burning or... Uh, correct. Yeah. So uh, we met this... Um, Older, well, older lady, I'm going to fast approach her age. At that time, she was 71. Her name was Christina. She was from Germany. Um, we happened to be talking about flights home midway through the journey. And she said, oh, you work for Delta. My son works for Lufthansa. He's a pilot. We just started chatting. And she said, and she, we kind of hooked up with each other, as you do on the Camino. Short bursts. Sometimes you stay with people for a while. Sometimes, you know, they go ahead. You, you go behind but you meet up in different towns. So she, she was staying with us fairly, I'd say at least probably two weeks. And we just kind of really got to know each other. And the other group of uh, gentlemen that were walking with us that kind of stayed with us from Australia, another group from Spain. So about seven of us, Christina said, oh, my friend who has walked the Camino in the past said we need to go to a bar together after we clean up and we need to ask the bartender to make us kamada. Okay. So it has sliced apples in it, coffee beans. It has the coffee liqueur. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember what the other one is. I wrote it down. Then they light it on fire and they serve it warm. And in the cold mountain regions, it's very strong. <laughs> um, they light it on fire. They warm it up. It doused the flame. They poured each into a glass. So the group of us probably had six nights along the way with Kamada every night in the cold regions. And we wrote down our stories at the end of the night. And at the end of our trip, we mailed each other all the stories we had written down once we all had gotten home. And I hadn't done that in any of my other two Caminos. Not at all. Nobody knew what the heck I was talking about. So thank you, Christina. That was a fantastic 
celebration and we laugh about it to this day because not a big I'm not a big strong drink drinker um but that stuff was potent I mean I slept like a baby every single time <laughs> okay so and a very un, unorthodox uh sleeping aid there the la quemada oh, yeah okay good stuff well thanks for sharing that story i've never heard of the kemada actually so um i'm i'm gonna um do my research on that one as i'm sure many of the listeners well will as well kemada is spelled q u e m a d a q u e m a d a la la quemada um, and that does between the burning or whatever like that something along those lines to quemar is to burn so something along the, the the gist of burning and i want to if i may touch on something you mentioned earlier which was the hardest part of the Camino for you was coming home probably the same for me now you've returned from the Camino three times now so maybe you've got a little bit better at it each time were you to go on a Camino again how are you going to deal with coming home and integrating yourself into the day-to-day for want of a better word drudgery um, for, okay, so the first time I came home, let's be I honest, day-to-day life is a drudgery compared to the Camino. Yeah, I, I couldn't stop walking, so I had to get right. used to, okay, I don't get up in the morning and leave the house every day and go for a seven-mile walk or an eight-mile walk. You know, I have to get back to doing things like work, God forbid. So that was a little hard. I actually had a week home before I had to go back to work to adjust. Um, so I still walked every morning. I started to taper down my miles. But then the flow of everyday life comes back in, you know, you work, school, bills, responsibilities. So I, I found it hard to keep the mindset of community and simplicity from the Camino when I came home uh, the first time. And I think I've strived every single time since to make that um, feeling or that approach to life last a little bit longer. Now, I've lost sight along the way because, you know, life happens and things happen and um, both positive and negative, but trying to hold on to that as much as possible. So coming home is always hard for me. The second time um, my friend Marcia got sick, had kidney stones. I had to take her back to Madrid and fly her home. And I finished by myself, um, which was fantastic. You know, you don't know what you can do until you do it by yourself. Um, but Flying back to the U.S. after that, just not as fun, not as fun on the plane, not as fun getting into your final city. And then I went straight back to work and didn't take any off days at all. And the third time I flew with my cousin, we had a blast. Um, The start was a little rocky, uh, but coming home, it took us, we were flying on standby passes, I think two times to get back, two times trying to get on flights and the stress of that kind of took a lot of the peacefulness of the Camino away. Once we got on board and got to our destination, it was a lot better. But again, I went right back to work. I would say take a little time off after. Um, I don't want to say, you know, if it sounds corny, reflect. But, um, yeah, take a little time to digest it. You don't really know what your Camino is going to mean until you come home and live with it. You know, let your sit in it, soak in it, get a little wrinkly about it and then digest it and then you'll kind of know what it meant to you don't look for the meeting on the way wait till you come home it'll kind of fold in to your everyday life 
Yeah, uh, and sometimes those insights come when you least expect them as well. And um, it reminds me of something Caitlin Clendenin said around episode 45, something like that. She said, um, all will be revealed. It was along those lines, and um, or it is yet to be revealed. So if you're walking along the Camino expecting answers there and then, they they might not come. Some they might do, but they might not. Um, so maybe these insights are going to come along once, like you said, you've soaked it and you've got a little, in your own words, wrinkly about it. Um, and two words that you said, I picked out of what you said, there were community and simplicity. And you said how you integrated that into your daily, the, the community you feel on the, on the Camino and the simplicity of that life. They're two of the best things, if not the best things about the Camino. How do you keep those alive? How do you keep that as kind of where your ship is pointing towards? Well, I think my mom would say I have a hard time with the simplicity part of it. Hmm. Um, community? Uh, I think I do that by staying in touch with my friends. And I have a lot of friends all over the U.S., all over the world. So I am... I, I would. And I'm going to take this, and this is my arrogance. I'm the best one out of all of us at picking up the phone, writing an email. Um, I don't do a lot of texting, but I do some of really staying in touch with people and checking in periodically because I think we all need that. And then you get that, oh, my God, I was just thinking about you. Or I should pick up the phone and call you. Yeah, pick up the phone and call me. I want to know how you are, you know. So I'm really good at keeping that connection, and that makes my community um, – always in my forefront. And I'm grateful for that. The simplicity I have a hard time with. I'm a worrier. So I'm working on that. Okay. And imagine I'm going to come home from, sometimes we say that um, we have a hard time heeding our own advice. So imagine you were advising me, I'm on the Camino, I'm coming home. What would you say to me to try and keep that simplicity alive? Don't try to do too much when you come home. Try to keep that mindset as long as possible and don't let things ruffle you. The problems and good stuff and bad stuff, are, it's going to happen. You don't have any control over that. Um, just know that and you'll get through it. I don't know how we do, but we do. Some, for me, it's faith. For a lot of people you know, who don't have faith, I'm, I'm sad for them. But for me, it's just believe that you'll get through it because you got to look at your life like a giant timeline. And you look at all the things that happen to you or that you do, and they're just fractions of what's going to make up, you know, your final path. Kind of like the Camino. You can't live at the beginning where you're struggling and your body's adjusting or you may have a blister. And you can't really live in the end where it's euphoric and I've completed something. It's the whole journey. That's how you have to look at life. Hmm. And, and I really like that, that approach. Um, and I think that approach is very appropriate for what we are going through right now. Um, yeah. Hoping that this is just a blip in time. And uh, I think George Harrison from the Beatles says, we are but a raindrop on a lotus leaf. And Absolutely. I, I really like that. Um, I really, I've always remembered that not to take things, um, not to make a, Big deal of things. Don't sweat the don't sweat the small stuff, as they say. Because in the Man, end, I when when take that advice myself. yeah, in the end, when you get to when you get five years down the line, you probably will forget what's going on right now. 
forget it even happened. So, yeah, um, yeah, nice advice there. And just before we finish, Mary Jo, um, I want to ask, you said you were going to, you were going to come home and, and write a book. Did you ever get on with that? No, I've written a lot of, I have a lot of, are we working on that? I have a lot of short stories. I have a lot of funny um, antidotes, but I haven't really sat down to put it together. Please do. Get a blog. Get a blog out there or something. Yeah. I still have my first notepad where I wrote to my cousin, Karen, who came on the last trip with me. I wrote to her um, on on the Camino and then on the airplane home. I don't know how. I think I wrote the entire flight home. And I still have that. And she keeps saying, send it to me. Mm. And I won't because I know I want to use it for something. I just don't know what yet. But eventually, Karen will get to see it. Well, my one of my favorite motivational gurus, who's called Zig Ziglar, I'm sure you've heard of him. Um, yeah. If you haven't. And I don't even think it was it was him that created this, this sentence, this mantra. Um, and I'm going to try to do his accent here. And it's probably going to be horrible. Um, <laughs> because I'm from the south of England, not the south of Texas. But he says, you ain't got to be, <laughs> what does he say? No. You ain't got to be great to start, but you're going to start to be great. So, yep. yeah, sorry in advance for that uh, bad accent there. I, my southern, <laughs> I, haven't got, I haven't got the southern twang at all, uh, but I try. I did try. Um, so, yeah, so please just start something, do something. Because I can, what this interview has had, he's had, he's had lots of really good tips, um, lots of lovely stories, but it's also been full of your personality as well, Mary Jo, which has been really, really um really, really uplifting for me personally. I'm sure the listeners will feel the same as well. So please do something. I can tell you've got the personality to to write something quirky and irreverent and funny. And um, I'm sure we're all like a bit of a laugh in our lives, don't we? So nothing wrong with that. And lastly, you said you, you just before we finished, you said you needed uh, music. Now, I know you've already went, mentioned one thing. You were going to raise the Supremes. Um mm-hmm. We had a lady last week that recommended Ramble Tamble as a Camino anthem to pick her up when she's <laughs> feeling down. So have you got another one? Oh, besides the Supremes. Oh, there is a group in the U.S. They're a folk group, and they're called Eddie from Ohio. Right. And I taught my cousin Karen this song, and we would – oh, what else did we sing? Oh, well, yeah, I taught her, I taught her a song from one of their albums called Quick. Um. And also, we had a girl in our Camino that was doing this before her, her wedding. So we really broke out the go into the chapel and we're gonna get married. Every time we were all in the shower room together in different stalls. The harmonization was fantastic. The acoustics were great. Just pick your song and go with it. Sing it out loud, even if you're off key. Just have fun. Love it. And one of mine was... Uh kind of about the Camino community by Jack Johnson, Better Together. Yeah. Uh, oh. I can't, I can't it goes now. It's always better when we're together. It's yep. always better when we're together. Anyway, Jack does a lot better than I do. And Mary Jo, I've had an hour of your time um, on this this uh, West Coast morning of yours, on this Northern Eng- English evening of mine. So um, for your next Camino, whenever you go back, it only remains for me to wish you ultria, move forward with courage and buen Camino. Buen Camino.